Amen? Amen. Well, you know, you guys have done it. Did you know that? You've done it. You have almost survived ten weeks of doctrine, believe it or not. I don't know about y'all, but man, I've had a great time this summer uh, walking through this Believe series and delving into the ten core doctrines of the Christian faith. We're going to wrap this series up today um, talking about salvation. What a fantastic lead-in, the songs that we've, we've just worshipped to. But salvation is the culmination of all Christian doctrine. Think about that. Without salvation, there's really no need for any of the other doctrines of the Christian faith. But salvation rises out of the richness of God's love for us. And all the other doctrine are meaningless without it. God's love never changes. It's unconditional. His desire to bring us back to Himself never diminishes. Think about that. The greatest demonstration of His love is this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, Think about that. Christ died for us. That unconditional love. It's something that we cannot truly fathom this side of heaven. Because the purest love, the purest unconditional love doesn't exist outside of God. And it doesn't exist in its purest form this side of heaven. You know, somebody told me this a long time ago, and it, it, it really was transformative. I said, did you know, Phil, that God loves you just as much on your worst day as He does on your best day? Let that sink in. It's not dependent upon you. Gary just said that. It's not about us. God's love is the same for us regardless of our behavior regardless of our failures, regardless of our flaws. Man, that's good news. That's the good news. That's grace. And man, some of us need to hear that today. Some of us need to be reminded of that today, that it's not on our shoulders, that we don't have to perform for God, that we don't have to measure up to God's standards because of what Christ has done on our Behalf. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It is the foundation. And it is the fountain of the gospel. That God's love for you is unconditional. So we're going to wrap up this ten week series today. Looking at the doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of Jesus' redemptive rescue of all humanity. If you look in your Bibles and you thumb through it, it's fascinating. From Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, the Bible is essentially an epic rescue mission. It's God reaching down to those that He created, you and I. Those who turned their backs upon Him to bring us home to Himself. To give us life again. To make us whole again. To wipe our slates clean. To put our past behind us. To restore us 
and to make us new again. And who in their heart of hearts doesn't long for that? We all do. Because God has placed that in our hearts, the Scripture tells us. That's why Jesus says this, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, if, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. It's fascinating as, as you thumb through the pages of Scripture. All of Scripture moves literally from the old to the new, culminating for the believer in Revelation 21. When in John's vision he tells us this, he said that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. When our faith becomes sight. When all that we've believed, all that we've hoped for, all that we've struggled to grasp becomes sure. That's what faith is, Hebrews tells us. Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. I don't know about you, but the older I get, (laughs) the more I long for the new. I got the word uh, yesterday morning that uh, Ellen McGady, most of you know Ellen. Um, she's been over our children's ministry here for, for a long time. She and Kevin have been a huge part of the church and still are. But uh, they're in Ohio currently where they spend their summers. But I got, I got news yesterday morning that Ellen's dad had passed away uh, in the night. Uh, Bob Smith, awesome, awesome. Uh, man, I think he was 92, wasn't he? Just celebrated his 92nd birthday. He was a great, great man. And uh, he was one of my biggest fans. I never could quite understand why. But, uh, man, what a cheerleader he was um, for me. Um, Ellen would send him or take him uh, CDs from Tapestry, you know, for the last 15 years uh, to Ohio, and, and he would listen to them, or, or at least he said he did, you know. Um, he really couldn't hear very well, so I don't know. But uh, every time I would see him in Ohio or when he would come here, and it's been, you know, years, um, we, we, we spent time with him each year, he'd just go on and on about how much uh, those words meant to him, what a great church tapestry was and I mean just gush and gush and gush you know and I'm like oh man I need more people like you in my life you know I need to hang around folks like you more just an encourager a Barnabas just a great man uh, loved him uh, he was a believer I uh, grew up and uh, went to church uh, I think in the Methodist church and um, loved the Lord, served the Lord, and, uh, and, and, and was, was faithful to God's church. And uh, when, when his time began to, to come in the last few weeks, uh, hospice was called in. And, and at the end of his life, um, his memory really began to fade with dementia. 
uh, setting in, that kind of thing. And he really got to where he didn't remember one conversation, uh, honestly, to the next. And Ellen said that uh, this last week he woke up at one point uh, while hospice was there. And, uh, and, and you know, they had already had talked to him, you know, about his faith. And then folks had come in, read scripture to him. And, um, and it just, you know confirmed that he was he was right where he needed to be with the Lord. Well, you know, he had forgotten those conversations, I believe. But um, Ellen said he woke up and, and, and he looked right at her and he said, now, now how do I get to heaven again? And Ellen said, Daddy, um, Jesus is going to come get you. And he said, well, you know, he must be pretty busy right now. Do you think he could send somebody else? <laughs> I love that. And Alan said, no, this is, this is something only Jesus can do. You know what that tells you? He was ready to go home. He was ready to go home. He was ready to be reunited with his wife. He was ready to see... Uh, his brother, his loved ones that had gone on before him, he was ready to experience what we can only imagine, the culmination of the Christian life, and experience it for all eternity. You know, it's something we just don't think about as we hydroplane through life. We don't think about that day if you will, too often. I think we intentionally try to ignore it and keep it at bay, if you will. I remember a little over a year ago, uh, as my mom was was passing away, um, uh, Kim and I, and actually I think Ellen was there with us as also, um, went to her hospital room and it was clear that, that the end was near. And uh, we walked in and I said, uh, Mama, we had already talked to the doctors. I said, Mama, you're going to meet Jesus today. She had never been ready to hear that before. She fought and she fought and she fought. And those of you who knew her knew that she was not ready to leave this earth. I said, on that day, I said, Mama, you are going to meet Jesus today. And for the first time, she looked at me and she said, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. And shortly thereafter, she took her last breath. Let me ask you something today. And salvation is more than a doctrine. It's life. It is the most important thing before you in this life. Are you ready for that? And are you ready to meet Jesus? Because... <laughs> It's coming. None of us gets out of this thing alive. Some people don't want to hear that. You know, unless Jesus comes back and, 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 and we go in the, in the air to meet Him, none of us gets out of this thing alive. We're going to have to pass through this corridor. And my question is this, are you ready for that? Really? We do everything we can possibly do to distract ourselves from that reality in this culture. But I want to ask you clearly this morning, are you ready for that day? It's coming. Hebrews 
Chapter 9 says this, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once on the cross to take away the sins of many people and He will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Are you waiting for Him? Are you waiting for Him? I've sat with a lot of people as they've taken their last breath. And I'm always reminded of how much what we believe matters in that moment. It has never mattered more. When doctrine... Becomes life itself. This is not an academic exercise. Just to learn all this stuff. It's life. It's the life that God offers us. That we might be reconciled to Him for all eternity. This message of God's grace and mercy in Christ that can seem so redundant, so mundane as we sit in church week after week after week. There goes Phil again. Becomes the one thing that matters in that moment. That's the culmination of our salvation. The final phase that we'll experience for all eternity. Theologians call it glorification, which is the final phase of this three-part process we call salvation. It's when our bodies are made new. Our minds are restored. Who's ready for that? And we are, the Bible says... As He is. Face to face with Jesus. Perfected. Just as He is. But salvation is not just for the dying. It's for the living. The gospel frees us up from our sin and enables us, the Bible says, to live again here and now. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. To the full, right here, right now, we're experiencing, if we have by faith trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're experiencing His salvation right now. And when we're willing to come clean with our sin... And acknowledge our need before Him. Jesus steps in and He forgives us of that sin and He makes us new again. His death on the cross accomplished for us what we could not accomplish for ourselves. He alone, Christ alone, met God's standard of perfection this side of heaven. God is holy and righteous beyond what we could possibly even fathom. And you say, man, is is, is it just that the penalty for our sin is death? Isn't that a little bit harsh? You know, we just don't understand the holiness 
and the depth of righteousness and the perfection of who God is. Yes, it's just. And we can't meet the standard that would bring us into His presence. But Christ met that standard for us. That's why He had to live. He came as a man and He lived a perfect, sinless life. Why is that so important? Because that's the only way that He could go to the cross and be the perfect sacrifice. If He met God's standard of righteousness on our behalf. And when we by faith receive Christ, we literally step into His righteousness. He who had no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Nothing that we did to deserve it or to earn it. For Christ died for sins once and for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God, He was put to death in the body, but He was made alive by the Spirit. 1 Peter 3.18 And when you give your life to Christ, the gavel of God falls. And you are declared not guilty of your sin once and for all. Jesus took that guilt upon Himself. He served its sentence fully for us. He sets us free from that which separates us from God. And He restores us in relationship with the Father. Theologians call that justification. It happens the moment you repent of your sin. The moment you give your life to Him. And nothing can ever change that. Once you by faith confess your sin, repent of that sin, invite Jesus Christ to forgive that sin and be the Lord and Savior of your life, you step into His righteousness and nothing can remove you from that place. Not your own behavior, not your own performance, not somebody else. Nothing can remove you from that place. You're justified. And from that moment on, you enter into life in Christ, this side of heaven. You enter the process of sanctification, of becoming more and more like Jesus. If you're a believer this morning, this is where you are. This is where we all are. That's life in between, sanctification. What's our goal right now? What are we to be? What are we to do as followers of Jesus Christ? Our primary goal is to become more and more like Jesus Christ, to conform to the likeness of Christ. That's what sanctification is. And we'll be in this process until we go home to be with God. And again, we are glorified. We are made as Christ is it's God's gift to us, salvation. But we've got to cooperate with the process of that gift if we're going to experience the freedom that God offers us. If we're going to work out our salvation, as the Bible says, with fear and trembling, we've got to remember the price that was paid for it. Keeping in mind Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. 
that it is by grace. It is by God's unmerited favor. Nothing that we've done, nothing that we could earn. It is by His grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift freely that God gives us because of His love for us. It's not our work so that none of us can boast. You don't have to work yourself into God's good graces. (laughs) That's what the cross is all about. Jesus has already done that for you. It's the greatest gift ever given. You've just got to receive it and walk in it. Our need for salvation, our need for spiritual rescue is our greatest need. Greater than any physical need or circumstance that we will ever face. The physical is ever before us. The spiritual is intangible. You can ignore it your entire life, yet it is the truest thing about you. You were created in the image of God. You were stamped literally with His likeness. And so the core of who you are, the most important thing about you and me is spiritual. When the physical fades, the truest thing about us will live on. And the only thing that matters in that moment is what you did with Jesus. It's an exclusive message, the gospel. Not popular in our PC culture today. It's no wonder that so many are so quick to discard the authority of Scripture and the words of Jesus. But in reality... The gospel is exclusively inclusive. There's only one way in. It's a narrow way. But all are invited. Acts 4.12 puts it clearly. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus And Jesus alone is the way. And he said it. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no woman, no child comes to the Father except through me. Jesus couldn't have been more clear. The Bible is clear that there is but one path to heaven, one gate, one door, one name, one way. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. There are not many paths to God. You cannot be a Christian and affirm that. You can ignore it. You can discount it. You can discredit it. But you cannot escape the truth of it. None of us can. Everyone is invited to receive it. Let me ask you something this morning as we close this summer series. Have you given your life to Christ? Is there a point in time in your life that you can say, man, I stepped over the line. I confess my sin. I acknowledge my sin. I know I needed a Savior. And I stepped over the line. I invited Christ to forgive my sin. And to come and be the Savior and Lord of my life.
Have you given your life to Christ? Have you decided to follow Him? William James said this. I'm going to leave this on the screen for just a moment as as Gary comes and I, I pray to close our service. He said this. He says, when you have to make a choice and you don't make it, that in itself is a choice. There are a lot of people wandering around today who just aren't making that choice. If that's you this morning, maybe today is the day that you step over the line. That you put that marker in the ground and you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Not just so you can go to heaven, but so that you can live the abundant life that He's promising you today. Let's pray. Father, thank You for loving us. Thank You for the depth and the richness of Your love. Thank You, Lord, that nothing can separate us from Your love in Christ Jesus when we by faith acknowledge that He is our Savior. Lord, for those who are here this morning who may not know Jesus, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they open their hearts, that they confess their sin, and that they invite Him in. Lord, just by saying a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I believe that You're the Son of God. I believe that God raised You from the dead. I acknowledge my need for You. I acknowledge my sin. I turn away from it. And I open my heart to You. And I invite You to be my Lord and Savior And the scripture says that he stands at the door and knocks. And when you open it, he comes in. And that's all we have to do. There is no performance on our end. We don't have to measure up to God's standard. We don't have to do anything else other than trust in what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the purpose that you've given us in life to be reconciled to you for all eternity. May we pay attention to the gift you've given us. And may we receive it fully. In Jesus' name, amen.